Hello and welcome back to Equity, TechCrunch's venture capital-focused podcast where we unpack the numbers behind the headlines. My name is Alex and I'm here with a whole crop of excellent people. I have Danny Crichton. Danny, your birthday just happened. Happy birthday and how are you? I'm older, theoretically wiser, but just hungover, I think is really what happened. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but we heard a little bit about your exploits and uh, we're not surprised. We also have Natasha Moscarinas here. Natasha, hello. I'm kind of feeling the same way as Danny, but I didn't have a birthday. So that's a problem. <laughs> Am I the only not hungover person on the show today? Um, listen, this is our Wednesday episode. We are talking about Africa, especially African startups, looking at e-commerce and fintech in particular. Uh, before we introduce our special guest, Natasha, can you run us through a couple of the numbers to help set the stage for what's going on in Africa? It's not hard to make an argument on why we should all be paying attention to Africa. But if you need some numbers, the investments that were raised in the first half of 2021 were more than 1 billion, according to some reports. And that's about double the amount raised in the same time period last year. Last year, of course, was a down year due to COVID, but we have seen a lot of money go into the continent, obviously due to a bunch of things we're going to talk about today, but just know big exits, funding rounds, and high valuations are pretty commonplace there these days. Our special guest today is Tej, one of the finest technical reporters of all time. Tej is on the ground for us in Africa. Please say hello, tell people how long you've been here and what you're working on. So this is Tej Kaneoka for Africa Reporter for TechCrunch. I write about startups and venture capital. I used to write on the same bit for TechPoint Africa, a Lagos-based tech publication. So I'm based in Lagos, by the way. Lagos is it's in Nigeria. Yeah. So nice to meet you guys and nice to be here. Today, we're going to talk about a couple of different things uh, regarding Africa writ large. We're going to talk about why Combinator and its influence in startups on the continent. We're going to talk about fintech in the African context and why we're seeing so much money go into fintech-focused startups in Africa. And then we're going to talk about e-commerce through the lens of Jumia, a public tech company from Africa that Tej and I have been tracking for some time. Let's start by talking about why Combinator. We all know the accelerator very well in the U.S. And as we've been seeing through a lot of your reporting, Tej, they are making a splash in Africa. Tell us a little bit about how much attention you're paying to them and what their impact has been in the local early stage ecosystem. The influence of why Combinator in Africa is gigantic. They made their first investment in 2009. Not much was heard about them since then till 2016 when they made another investment in Paystack, the fintech we know got acquired by Stripe. So they're like the biggest stage for early startups in Africa, right? To get global attention. You're talking about how YC has, I guess it sounds like more recently become a gatekeeper in the local ecosystem. Are you finding them entering in a way that competitors or early stage VCs are finding collaborative, competitive? What are other people saying about YC? Local investors in Africa, okay, I would say Nigeria, they're kind of torn between two sides. Some people see YC as doing some gatekeeping. Some see YC as playing the lot's work. It's a very funny conversation we have here in Nigeria. VCs, when you invest in a startup, they position them to get into YC, right? Because of exits and opportunities. So that's an interesting bit of the conversation. Why some think that YC isn't doing enough on-ground research to actually make strategic um, investments. So they think, I mean, like when YC invests in a startup, there's much hype about the startup, even though they're doing nothing. But I don't think that's been the case, right? Because almost all the startups YC invest in Africa are actually... Uh, solving real problems, you know, they're actually doing quite well in their own right. In general, I think YC has a very strategic role in terms of putting African startups in the eyes of global VCs and global investors. Invested in about 60 African startups right now and, you know, full-on investments too when you get out of YC. 
I think when you look at some of the macro numbers, Alex and, and Tage, you, you looked at some of the VC data. You know, it seems to me that a lot of VCs, Tiger Global, other growth farms are willing to come in at the late stages because they're established companies. A lot of the risk is gone, established formulas, but there's a complete lack of funding at the seed stage. There's almost no one or very few folks who want to do angel investing in seed in a lot of these countries. And so to me, it seems like YC is just the group that is willing to write the most checks at that stage. There's no one who's willing to do the quantity and frequency like they are. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, right? Because if you look at Flutterwave, so they're an African payments company. So they're a unicorn right now. Tiger Global um, invested in them um, in March. Before they got into YC, I don't think they had a lot of funding from local investors. But after YC, they got investments for MasterCard, Visa, Tencent, and, and the likes, right? I want to make one last point on the early stage, and then we can move on to fintech. I was reading an article by The Guardian, and it was talking about how a lot of Silicon Valley right now is interested in Africa, but continues to back white foreign founders instead of locals, people who are natives. Um, Atija, I was wondering if you were seeing that that play out, or if that's accurate um, when you look at the numbers and just even the founders you're spending a lot of your days talking to. So I read the article too. I think that was last year. The founder that was interviewed, Jesse Wright, he's a two-time YC founder. So for him to actually experience that kind of thing, despite being in YC twice, it's um, you know kind of alarming. In a way, yeah, I agree with what the reporter reported in quote. In Kenya, for instance, right, only 6% of startups in 2019 Founded by locals received investments of $1 million or more. In Nigeria, that I think that's about 50%. But I think the narrative is kind of changing slowly in terms of how investors invest in local founders rather than expats. But I think there's a lot of work to be done for the international investor standard. What they need to do is to actually have teams on ground. I think that's what international investors need to do in Africa or in Nigeria to close the gap between local founders in Africa and the expat founders in Africa. Before we uh, move over to fintech, and I, I let Danny take over for a little bit, Tage, you know, one thing I've been hearing a lot about on the Nigerian front is kind of some some tensions between the government and the local technology scene. There's been some war of the words with Twitter, for example. What's the current climate in Africa regarding kind of government relations with technology companies today? The thing about government relations is they don't try to bring startups into the table like founders, you know, to discuss these matters. So it comes out of nowhere. So you're just running your business, right? Trying to make a living, trying to help or better people's lives. Then all of a sudden you see a regulation that's almost, you know, terminating your business. The government has to do better in Nigeria and in Africa in general. So the relationship between government and founders or tech startups in it's not a strong one. You know, pivoting from that, I mean, two of the categories that are really popular right now in Africa investment is fintech and e-commerce. I think we'll start with fintech because that has certainly gotten the most amount of funding, relatively speaking. So in 2020, fintech represented about 25% of all VC dollars going into Africa, according to Partech. And in the most recent YC batch winter 2021, there are 10 companies that were in Africa, six of which were fintech. So an enormous amount of focus on one sliver of the tech world. And, and Tej, I'm curious, you know, what are some of the factors that have contributed to fintech's predominance in this market? I don't know if you guys know M-Pesa. It's yeah. a Kenyan yeah. mobile money platform. Yeah, that's where fintech kicked off in Africa. So mobile money was developed to bypass like traditional banking. Telcos created like systems where people could send money to each other without having a bank account. Two thirds of Africans are unbanked um, on the continent. Financial players see opportunities, you know, to get these guys on banks and also facilitate payments between Africans and, and the banks too. So fintech is a pretty broad category though, Tej. There's lots of different kind of elements of fintech. Payments, of course, is a key part of it. Are there 
certain parts of fintech in Africa that are seeing lots of investment lately, things that we should keep an eye on? Or is it more kind of like staying in the payments side of the fintech equation? Okay, financial services, there are like a hierarchy and payments is like the lowest hanging fruit. It has been like the success story for over 10 years. We are seeing innovation and fundraising in credit, giving people loans, giving businesses loans, giving individual loans. Easy to lend money, right? But it's kind of difficult to pay back. So credit is a very tricky business here in Africa. These companies have to actually build credit histories for individuals they're giving loans to because the traditional way of getting someone's credit history is kind of non-existent. So these companies have to, to do that. And then there are savings and insurance. Insurance is kind of taking off a bit, but like the insurance penetration in Africa is low. So mm-hmm. these insurance startups have to actually be from scratch, you not know, like the payment guys that have to build them upon existing banking infrastructure. And over the last two years, we've been seeing a lot of activity in API fintech startups, you know, like Platform Africa kind of startups. Yeah. So these are like the newcomers of the fintech space in Africa. Tej, one last thing we wanted to talk about today was e-commerce, because you and I both know Jumia pretty well. It's a public company focused on kind of e-commerce logistics and so forth in Africa. But as you and I have covered, whenever we look at their earnings, still pretty unprofitable and e-commerce while growing is still a little bit nascent or or newish in Africa. So I'm curious, what's the current landscape there for startups building in the e-commerce space? Is Shopify there? Is there a local equivalent? What do you see on the ground? So talking about like Jumio losses over the years, it boils down to how this started first in 2012, the competition with Conga, right? So these guys, when they started, you know, raised a lot of VC money. They were the first crop of tech startups in Nigeria and Africa to raise bottles of cash. So it was kind of strange at the time, you know, seeing companies raise $20 million. It was a race to the finish line between Jumia and Congo. And they had to spend a lot of money to build the e-commerce infrastructure in Nigeria. Jumia's history of losses has this way since 2012. When they IPO'd in 2019, they said it was going to change, right? But I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. There are like few e-commerce platforms here and, you know, they've not really raised significant venture, venture capital to keep up with Jumia, right? Or to challenge Jumia. So Jumia is pretty much the only thing. You know, there's still like a lot of infrastructure that needs to be built and also trust, right? People don't pay on, uh, online, right? You know, they still do a lot with cash. You know, 90% of transactions still happens with cash on the continent. Tej, just to wrap us up, one last question for you on on the different countries in Africa, because it's an enormous place, super diverse, lots of different scenes, uh, lots of different economies. What countries should listeners have their eyes on, aside from Nigeria, South Africa, and Kenya? Where should we be looking for kind of the, the next generation of technology startups in Africa? So first of all, there is Egypt. Egypt is a crazy place right now you know, in terms of venture capital. The likes of Swivel and Kari kind of opened the floodgates. And they have local investors, you know, bigger than the local investors you see in South Africa, Kenya, and, and Nigeria. Well, Tej, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. We're going to have you back sporadically as we learn more about Africa and the overall startup scene. But I just want to say, you know, as a long-term TechCrunch reader and an occasional TechCrunch employee, your work in the last uh, eight, nine months has been fantastic and has really broadened my own view around the world. So I just want to say, I don't know, man, thanks. I really appreciate all that you do. Plus one for that. Thank you. All right. uh, This is Equity. We are back Friday morning with our news roundup. This has been our Wednesday show talking about all things Africa, especially with fintech and e-commerce vibe. Equity is out. Bye.